Bibles, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. It's absolutely true, isn't it? Danny, the Lord had me praying for you a few minutes ago, so whatever's going on, he knows. So it's all good, okay? Whatever that is. I am so glad everybody's here. Hey, can I ask you a question? If I get out on the floor, can you guys in the back see me? Or do you not want to see me? I mean, I'm just asking. I mean, because I'm enjoying being close to you guys. And, and uh, you know, I notice everybody keeps scooting back further and further, so I'll just keep moving back. So, so whatever. But I actually like this. Um, how many of you like roller coasters? Let me see your hands. Are roller coaster people? How many of you, you can put your hands down. How many of you are terrified of roller coasters? Okay. So flying... Oh, some people are pointing at people. That's not nice. Um, we are going to show you the funniest video. I've laughed all week long. I've watched this thing I don't know how many times. There's a guy in this video. I want you to watch the guy. Um, this is fear personified. Okay, are you ready? Let's go ahead and watch this video. You guys are going to like this. The fun, exciting, thrilling. Is that safe? Is that safe? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> now I'm scared. Oh, come on. Don't say that. You're going to get. Michael, come on. Oh, my hands are sweaty. <laughs> he, he's not telling us when we go. We're just going to fly off. It's not that bad. Don't worry. We have a couple of procedures just to make sure that everything is okay. Okay? All right. Just to make sure everything is good, shake your seat. Shake the seats. They're good. They're tightly on there. Make sure your belts are tight in there. You see those belts right there? Are you sure? <laughs> not that scared. That is the most scared person I've ever seen. I have laughed all week long. I thought, boy, that's not the response you want to have in a pressure situation. I mean, wow. But fear is a real thing, isn't it? Fear is a real thing. I woke up Monday morning early, um, turned on my iPad and, and looked at CNN, looked at Fox News. I don't know if you look Monday morning. First thing on Fox or CNN Monday morning was the stock market looks like it was getting ready to crash. That was the headline. This is about 6, 6.30 in the morning. The second line was ISIS was killing some more people. The third line was it looks like China's economy is about to tank. I mean, it was just on and on. And any of those things individually are scary in by, of, of themselves. But when you take all those things together, that's a whole big ball of fear. And the response can be kind of like this guy. 
It's just overwhelming, and you don't even know how to handle it. And we are getting inundated in this world with fear, fear, fear uh, from all directions. You'd have to have your head buried in the sand not to know what's going on in the world right now. The world is a scary place, isn't it? You know, if you look in the Bible and you begin to study, and I've done some of this, I looked in there and typed fear not. In the Bible, over 360 times, it's more than 360 times, God, Jesus, the angels, leaders are telling God's people, fear not or don't be afraid. And, And I think it's interesting. Why would God say, fear not? Why would he say that? Because there's a lot of scary things going on. There's, he wouldn't say fear not if there weren't things to be fearful of. And the fact that he says it over 360 times tells you that there's a lot of things going on in the world that can get you scared. And so we need to deal with that as believers. As Christians, we need to understand where fear is in the world. The things that are going on, all these pressures that inundate us. And the, real, the bottom line question for believers is, how do I handle fear? Because we don't want to be oblivious to the realities of what's going on in the world, but how do we deal with them? What is our response to fear supposed to be? What is it supposed to be? So today, what I want to do, and you guys know how I do, I I preach very practically, I want to give you some tools today. But this message is a little different. Usually I have one through three or one through five. I don't even have any ones. Because as I studied this, God's response to fear is always the same. So there's just really one big point today. And we'll get down to that in a minute. When you walk out of here today, I, don't want, I want you to be equipped to handle what's going on in the world. Because there is a solution. There's two different types of fear. If you, if you were to break fear down into categories, there's two types of fear. The first fear is the fear of God. The Bible talks about the fear of God. How many of you, somebody's ever said, I'm going to put the fear of God in you? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Which usually was followed by a spanking or something to that effect. But there is a legitimate thing called the fear of God. And that is really what I would call a respect for God, a respect for the authority and the power of God. How many of you have ever stood in front of a judge before in a courtroom? Some of you are like, more than once. I mean, you know, I've got hands going up. But, but the, the fear you have when you walk into that courtroom, understanding that there's somebody behind this podium that can make a decision, and, and your future, to a degree, is going to be dictated by what this person determines. And you're hoping they had a good day, right? So, so this person has this authority to make a decision, and so there is a, what I would call a healthy respect for the position, And so when we talk about the fear of God, it is a healthy respect for the fact that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He can make any decision that he wants to make. And so there's a respect that goes with that. So that's the fear of God. Then the second category is really the fear of man. There's a fear of man. There's, There's categories and everything kind of breaks down to it's really the spirit of fear. There's a spirit of fear that's in the world. I want to read a scripture to you. And help you break this down a little bit. Look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and you can circle that in your notes, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there is a spirit of fear in the world, but that's not of God. What that dude was doing, that wasn't Jesus, okay? I mean, that dude was straight up scared. But it is a spirit of fear, and obviously that's a situation that's a little different. But I'm talking about a fear that's deep-seated. 
I'm talking the fear that you don't want to get out of bed. I'm talking the kind of fear that you get up and you want to wrap your kids in bubble wrap and send them out the door. I'm talking about the kind of fear that makes you dictate whether you want to get up in the morning or not or go outside or not, and it begins to rule your life. That is not the Spirit of God. That is a spirit of fear. You know, the, the Greek word for fear is phobos. That's where we get our word phobia from. How many of you know some phobias? There's like a phobia of what? Spiders? All different kinds of fear of heights? Do what? Fear of bees. That's good. Um, I found out the craziest phobia I've ever heard of in my life, and it's actually somebody in our church that has it. And Tina, you told me I could tell, so I'm going to. Tina has a fear and a phobia of gnomes, yard gnomes. Do we have a picture? That's... She is not looking right now, but she does. She has this fear of yard gnomes, and the reason, this is legit, I'm laughing at her, you know, and she goes, no, I really do. When I was a kid, I watched a show about yard gnomes, and at nighttime they woke up and went around killing folk, and now she's scared to death of gnomes. Here's what's crazy about that. If you go to Wikipedia and you look up fear of gnomes, it will pull up gnomophobia. It is a real... (laughs) <laughs> Becky, you're awesome. Like ninja gnome, you know. You can have, but, but, I mean, you can have fear about just about anything. And so we have these phobias, phobos. And what, what this Greek word phobos mean is, it means it's fear. It also means terror. It also means being scared so much that you run away, fear of flight. You've heard of fight or flight, and it's the flight part. It's that kind of fear that makes you want to run. That's the spirit of fear that's in the world. And I want to tell you what, guys. The spirit of fear is debilitating. There are people that are so controlled by fear that it dictates everything they do in their life. A couple of the fears, and this isn't an inclusive list at all. It's a very short list. But there's the fear of man. What can people do to me or what do people think of me? There's another fear. It's called the fear of rejection, and that's where we fear that God will reject us or people will reject us. And so what happens when you have that kind of fear is that you don't want to put yourself in any situation where people have to make a decision about you because you don't want to be rejected. It's a big fear. There's also the fear of death. Some people fear death. You know, as a Christian, I don't like the idea of dying, but if I really understand who Jesus is, When I die, I'm gone, I'm with him, and it's a better thing. But there are some people that are petrified by it, petrified by it. Let me ask you a question, a little interaction here. What do you think the opposite of fear? If you have fear, what's the opposite of fear? Anybody? Faith. Faith. What else? Sorry? Okay. What else? Courage. Let me tell you what. The biblical definition of the opposite of fear. Faith is one of the things. All these things, courage, those, those are things that are opposite of it. But there's one thing that's the exact opposite of it, and it's perfect love. That's right. Good job, Nick. Good job. But not just love, perfect love. Let's look at that scripture real quick. 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, circle perfect love, Cast out or overcomes fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So does love cast out fear? No, but perfect love casts out fear. How many of you would say that you know how to love perfectly? You, you have perfect love. 
Anybody? Dennis almost raised his hand, which would be such a lie. But no, I mean, none of us really have perfect love, do we? Who has perfect love? God. God has perfect love. And so if perfect love is what casts out fear, and we know that's the only thing that casts out fear, then we need to have perfect love in our lives to cast it out. Otherwise, we will live to a degree with fears that will control us. So as I began to study this more, it started becoming more clear to me what we needed to do. The word perfect is a Greek word called telia, where we get the word telos, which means being made perfect or being made whole. So when we talk about perfect love, we talk about a love that is complete. It lacks nothing. God's love towards you is a perfect love. But what's interesting about that is God's love that he puts in us, if we will let him, is also a perfect love. And it is the only thing that will overcome fear in the world. So the answer to the fear question is this. Look on your notes. Here's the answer to the fear question. How do I overcome fear? I need to know God, and I need to trust him no matter what. Know God, the Greek word gnosko that we've talked about, which is an intimate knowledge. I don't mean know about God. I mean have an intimate relationship where you know him. And that's part of the equation. But the other part of the equation is that you trust him. You know, many of us understand, we talk about, I want Jesus to be my savior. But the other part of the equation is, I want Jesus to be my Lord. And the savior part is easy, isn't it? Man, how many of you are saved? Raise your hands. Wow, that's awesome. How many of you allow Jesus to be Lord of your life every day? In other words, in other words, you do everything he says all the time. That clarified. A couple of y'all were like, oh, no, that's not, that's not, that's not me. But that's what lordship is. Savior, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe in you. I have faith in you that you're the son of God. And I ask you to forgive my sins. I receive you as my Savior. Forgiven. If you really meant that, you're forgiven. Lordship is a different thing. That's an everyday, all the time thing. And if we want perfect love to live in our lives to overcome fear, we have to give him lordship. In other words, let me, you know, you can write the word lordship, but put next to that complete surrender. That's what lordship is. In other words, Jesus is in charge. You know, there was a book back, I think it came out in the 40s, it was called God is My Co-Pilot. And let me just say this to you, if God is your co-pilot, you need to change seats. He needs to be the pilot. He needs to be in charge. And you need to be sitting there just being a part of what's going on. Okay? That's really the way our roles and our relationship with God need to be. I'm going to read you just a handful of scriptures that if you will allow him to be Lord, if you will trust him, if you will give him control, this is just three scriptures that are going to talk about fear in the world and how we should respond to it. Look at this. Isaiah 41.10. This is God talking. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Wow, should we be scared? Well, if we're trusting him. Look at Psalm 5611. 
In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Look at John 14, 7 through 9. If you had known me, this is Jesus talking, he said, you would have known my father also. From now on you know him and you've seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not and you've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And you say, well, Pastor, what does that even mean? When we see Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the great shepherd, and if you trust me, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But notice it said, if you trust me and, and you allow me to be your Lord, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So the decision about whether we live in fear or not is not on God's side. The the decision is how we respond to him. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? You know, when I look at the headlines, and here's what happened to me. When I saw those headlines, you know, I started getting a pit in my stomach. Fear started literally trying to rise up in me because I'm going, oh, the world's coming to, I mean, look what's going on. Iran's going to have a bomb, and the stock market's going to do this, that, and the other thing. You know what? When I began to pray about it, I didn't hear God going, you are so right. What are we going to do? <gasps> didn't see that coming. No. Guys, here's the thing. We don't have a religion. We have the truth. And God wrote that book, and he wrote the beginning, and he wrote the end, and he knows everything in between, and he is in control. And we just happen to be here at this point in time in our lives when it looks like things are getting really close to the end. And Jesus actually said this. He said, when you look around, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, when you look around and when you hear about wars and rumors of wars, is that going on right now? And when you hear about pestilences, disease, and and earthquakes, and all these things going on, you know, that's all scary. But you know what Jesus says when you hear about these things? Look up, because your redemption is drawing nigh. So our response as Christians should be, yeah, making you a little nervous is not a bad thing. But you should not live in fear, because if you're saved, you're going to be out of here. You're going to be out of here. But here's the thing that we need to hold on to right now. We know, we need to understand the Bible. Guys, if you don't read your Bible, do you know statistically they say right now 95% of Christians don't read their Bible very often and have never read through it? You need to get into your Bible. I mean, how many of you have a car? How many of you have ever read the operating manual to your car? Four of you, that's awesome. That's how most of us go through life, is, is God has given us an operating manual, and he said, read this, and most of us are going, I'm just going to wing it. I know where the gas goes, and I'm good. And they're the people going, how do I turn the radio? I don't, how's the radio turn on? Where is that? You know, and it's, if we'll read the manual, we'll understand how to do things. And God has given us this manual, and yet we refuse to read it. And we don't know what's in it. So then when things happen to us, we don't know how to respond. That's on us. And I want to encourage you, get your Bible out. You say, Pastor, I have a Bible I don't understand. We can get you a Bible. I promise you, there are picture Bibles. We will get you a Bible you can understand. 
Because you need to know the truth. Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. But if you don't know the truth, guess what? You get to stay in bondage. And God said, my people go into bondage for lack of understanding. They don't know. And so we just go off. And the enemy just takes us captive because we don't understand. So we need to get this. We need to be that church that when people are looking around fearful. How many of you remember September 11th? How many of you came to church after September 11th? Churches were full all across the country. Why? Fear. Fear. Our churches were full for two or three weeks, and then people started feeling better and realized that Al-Qaeda wasn't going to come knocking on their door, and then they went back. It's interesting, isn't it? But what's coming is not going to be like that. And people, are as they get more and more in fear, they come to church because they want to understand, I need some hope and I need some truth. And guess what? You are truth carriers. You are light bearers. People should be looking at you and you should be pointing them to the truth. But listen to me, folks. None of this is in my notes, by the way. You can't give people what you don't have. You can't give peace if you don't have it. You can't give hope if it's not living in you. And so, I'm telling you, we don't want to be here when this is all over with. You know the only thing holding the Antichrist back is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you? Imagine what this world will be like when we're not here. Imagine. Imagine when we're gone, the Holy Spirit's gone, and it's utter chaos. That's what's coming. And I'm not saying that to scare you. If you're a born-again believer, man, we're gone. But what about all those we leave behind? What about all those that are here that now have to go through hell on earth? And it's because we didn't tell them. So you need to know. You need to absolutely know. Because there is an enemy to fear. And the enemy to fear is God's love. And God's love lives in you. And you need to be sharing that love with other people. So how do we practically do this? How do we practically, and this is my one point, (laughs) this is my one point, how do we practically live in a world where there is fear, and and just so you know, there's going to continue to be more fear, okay? So how do we combat that? It's very simple. You know, a few years ago, my mom and dad went to Canada on a fishing trip, and while they were on Canada, or in Canada on this fishing trip, they were out, and there was an American Indian, I don't know what tribe, was their guide. And so it's the two, my mom and dad, in this boat with this American Indian. They're out on this big, huge lake out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, this storm blows in. Unexpected storm blows in. And this storm is so bad, water starts coming inside the boat. And the waves are huge. I mean, it looked like that. My dad was saying it was like the ocean. We were talking about it this summer. And and it was like the ocean. And they're in this little boat. And the guide was an experienced guide. And he knew how to ride up the waves. And at at the moment, right moment, he would gun the engine and he would shoot down into the next swell. And they did this forever. And, and dad looked back at the guide, and I don't know if you've ever been around any American Indians. They're very stoic people for the most part. And dad said his eyes were like that big. And then he got scared. And my mom and dad are telling me this story this summer when we were on vacation. They were talking about this story, reliving it. You could see it. And dad said he looked over at my mom and he said we said goodbye to each other because we literally knew that we were, we were going to die. 
Because as soon as that boat went underwater, that water's freezing. He said, we'd have been dead in like five or ten minutes. We literally said goodbye to each other. And through the grace and mercy of God, they were able to get off and, and get to shore. He said like an hour or two later, it was just perfectly smooth again. Reminds me of a Bible story. Jesus is preaching and teaching, and, and he finishes and he tells the disciples to get into the boat, see a Galilee, and go to the other side. And so they head off, and, and in the middle of the night, this storm comes up. Now understand, these disciples, at least four of them were professional fishermen. Fishing is what they did. They understood the water. They understood storms. So they're used to dealing with bad weather. They understand things. So in other words, it takes a whole lot to make them nervous on the water. The Bible says that a storm blew up, scared them to death. They thought they were going to die. They literally thought, we're going to die. And they look out on the water, the Bible says in, in the wee hours, they look out and they see a figure walking across the water. And they did what all of us would do, freak out, right? And so they look out and they realize it's Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, if that's you, call me and I'm going to come out to you. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. How cool is that? And the Bible says as he starts to get closer and closer to Jesus, remember there's a storm going on. He's walking on water during a storm, stepping over waves. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is awesome. And the Bible says that all of a sudden he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts looking at the wind and the waves. And then it occurred to him, I can't do this. I can't walk on water. This is crazy. What does the scripture say happened? He started sinking. Why did he start sinking? He took his eyes off Jesus. He took his trust off of Jesus and started looking at his circumstances. That's the simplest message I've ever heard in my life. But how profound. As believers in Christ, where is your focus? Are you looking at what the news media says? Are you looking at what the stock market says? Are you looking at what God says? Are you keeping your eyes on Jesus? And you say, Pastor, that's so simple, but it's so profound. Are you going to believe what Jesus says and keep your eyes on him? Or are you going to look around here? Because I promise you, if you start looking around, you're going to go, I can't do this, and you're going to start sinking. Something amazing happened, though, to Peter that should happen to you today. Because if you're that person, but you're also a believer, there's an answer. Peter cried out and said, Jesus, save me. What did Jesus do? Saved him. He reached down, Peter grabbed Peter's hand, took up, and the Bible says they walked back to the boat. You know what Jesus didn't do? You idiot. Slap him around. Let him drown a little more. Oh, I'm going to get your attention. <laughs> Teach you a lesson. Right? Is that what he did? So come on, man. Probably put his arm around his shoulder, walk back to the boat. You think that changed Peter? Yep. It'll change you too. There are people in this room who have walked on water. You've walked on water. People said you were going to die. Didn't die. 
I mean, if you did, you got better. But I mean, you know, there are people in here that have experienced miracles in their life. But you've got to have your eyes in the right place. Because if you look at the world, guys, you're going to get scared, you're going to live in fear, and you're not going to be effective. But if you will keep your eyes on Jesus and keep your focus right, we can walk through this thing and we can love people and not live in fear. It's that simple. So it really comes down to knowing God and that second word, trusting him. Trusting him. Do I believe God when I don't understand? Do I trust him no matter what the doctor says? Do I trust him no matter what the economist says? Do I trust God? Who is my faith in? And your faith needs to be in God. Because he's the one that holds the world in his hand, guys. He's the only one. 1 John 4, 16 through 18. And so we know and rely, which means trust, on the love that God has for us. Listen to this. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God is in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Wow, it's a powerful statement. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And let me read this last verse to you, and it's going to sum it all up today. It's going to sum it up. Romans 8, 38 and 39, one of the most powerful messages in the Bible, one of the powerful set of scriptures. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, that sums it all up, doesn't it? Nothing will be able to separate, no, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. He sums it up. In other words, he's saying there is absolutely nothing, nothing created, existent anywhere that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing. Joshua made a comment, Old Testament, when he stood before the children of Israel, said, hey guys, he said, it's decision time. Are you going to follow God or are you going to do your own thing? And then he made this comment, this statement. He said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And for you guys individually, you need to make this decision in your life. Am I going to allow the world to jerk me around and let fear rule my life? Or am I going to choose to serve him? Am I going to choose to trust God? And you can be at peace in the middle of the storm. Amen? Because the storm's going on, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk through it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simplicity of this message. That it's just so clear. That in the world there's fear and there's doubt and there's pain and there's loss. But there's a place that if we'll trust in you, if we will receive you as our Savior, if we'll trust you as our Lord, that we can have peace in the middle of our storms. That that's the truth. And Lord, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. But I know the Holy Spirit inside of us can give us peace. When all around us is in turmoil, we can be at peace. Your word says you will keep us in perfect peace 
if we keep our heart focused on you. That's your word. So, Father, today, there are people here who are living in fear. They go to bed scared. They wake up scared. Lord, they even have bad dreams. There's some people here that are dealing with this right now. That spirit of fear. But I want to tell you something, Christian. If you're here today and that spirit is what's been driving you, that is not the spirit that comes from God. The Holy Spirit gives us power and love, which overcomes. Perfect love overcomes fear and a sound mind, clarity. So today you can trade fear for love. You can trade fear for faith. You can trade fear for hope. You can trade fear for peace, but you have to choose to do that. Jesus died so that you could be free. Not just in heaven, but here. And if you're walking in anything less than the fullness of that promise, it's time to get out of the boat and walk on the water a little bit. If you're here today, nobody looking around, this is important. If you're here today and fear has been gripping you, fear has been ruling you, but you don't want to let fear drive you anymore, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I see your hand. I see hands. Amen. I see your hands. You can put them down. Maybe you're here today and you realize you need to receive Jesus as your Savior. You haven't done that. You need Him to be your Savior so that fear doesn't have to live in your heart. If you need to receive Him today, if that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to receive Jesus. Amen. I see your hands. I need to receive Him as my Savior. Amen. You put your hands down. Ask this big question. Most of you here today are saved. You're a believer. But is He your Lord? Is He Lord? Is He Lord of all? Are you surrendering your life to Him and saying, Jesus, here I am. If you want to make him Lord today, I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about lordship, surrender to him. If you want to make him Lord today, slip up your hands. Say, that's me. Amen. Hands all over the room. Here's what we're going to do. If you raised your hand for any reason, I want you to come down here to the front, and I'm going to pray over you for any reason. Just come up, and we're going to line up across the front. If you didn't raise your hand, but you know you needed to, just step on out. It's okay. These are your brothers and sisters, guys. So if you're not coming up here, you're praying for them right now. You're praying for people. Amen? You think this is a big deal? Amen? Amen. Here's what I want to do. There's some people that raise their hands for salvation. We're going to pray for them first, right? Because that's the, the important thing. So let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for my sin. I know you died for me. And I believe that. I give you my life. Save me. rest of you really raise your hand for lordship, fear. 
most important decision, guys, is salvation. The second most important decision is lordship. That means you're giving him control. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to surrender to him. And this is an attitude of your heart. This is a decision in your life where you give him control. You say, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Lord. Let's pray this together. Everybody, Lord, I need you. Thank you for saving me. But I want to give you full control. So today, I switch seats. You drive. I give you everything. Help me follow your word. Be my Lord. Amen. Let me tell you how you do that. You got to know his word. You got to pray. You got to seek him. You need to be in his presence so that he can speak to you and give him control. But let me tell you something amazing that's going to happen in your life. When you allow him to be Lord, he will be Lord. And all the blessings of his lordship are going to come on you. You're going to go through storms, but he's going to be there. And you can look at him when challenges come, when challenges come, say, hey, you're in control of this boat. Lord, you're in control of the storms. I trust you no matter what happens, no matter what I'm dealing with, I trust you. And he'll handle it because he said he would. Amen. This is a good place for us to clap and thank God for what he's doing. Amen. 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 I want to close with this today. Guys, you need to be reading your Bibles. You need to understand the operating manual. You need to understand. You need to have that knowledge on the inside of you. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you so that when challenges do come, we know what the Word of God says. Amen? You need to be in church. This one or another one, a good one. I like this one. But I think you need to be at one where the Word of God is being taught so that that can be filling you up. And what happens when the Word of God fills you up? It pushes all the fear out. Because I can tell you when Monday morning when that began to rise up in me, it started jumping on me. And immediately I just started praying and I asked for that peace. And it was just, it was right. I was like, God, you got this. And it's the same in your life. Lord, you got this. The devil's a punk. But God is good. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Let's, let's speak a blessing over these folks. You want to do that? Everybody stand up. Father, we just thank you for those that have come down today. Lord, I ask you today, in Jesus' name, bless them. Lord, I pray that you would show them who you are, that you would reveal yourself to them in such a powerful way this week. Touch their hearts, and we speak peace to their storms. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you tonight at the movie. Y'all have a great week.